You're listening to CKGI Gabriola Co-op Radio 98.7 FM and on the web at ckgi.ca. And this is The Farmer's Table. I'm Alexandria Stewart. And I'm Sean Enns. And today we're exploring the language of local. First, we'll look at a recent initiative from the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, or CFIA, to modernize its food labeling approach. For some, it means that food thousands of kilometers away can now be considered local. We'll investigate what people think and who might have the most to gain from the changes. Then we'll visit with the Sales family at Good Nature Farms in Qualicum Beach to learn more about their approach to small-scale agriculture. We'll also take a look at farmers' markets in the mid-Vancouver Island and Gulf Islands region and close the show with the last word, our own thoughts on what local food means. And now, the language of local. It's August and your dinner plate is overflowing with sautéed baby carrots, vivid green beans and nugget potatoes steamed with mint, a maple-glazed chicken breast. The ingredients you bought were labeled with the word local and you feel proud to be supporting small-scale agriculture on Vancouver Island. Then you learn that those carrots were grown in the Okanagan. The chicken was raised in Surrey. The Oxford English Dictionary says that the word local, when used as an adjective, means relating or restricted to a particular area or one's neighborhood. Do you still feel like you're eating local food? The term local, or locally grown, used to refer to food originating within 50 kilometers of the place where it was sold, or originating within the same or an adjacent government unit. In May, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, or CFIA, began an initiative to modernize its food labeling approach. They have adopted an interim policy that allows food produced anywhere within a province, or 50 kilometers across provincial borders, to be labeled as local. We visited the Qualicum Beach Farmer's Market and discovered that the word local can hold many meanings for consumers. What does the term local mean to you? Well, that would mean grown in the uh, local neighborhood or local area, probably within, say, five kilometers of your house, something like that. So if you were to buy a package of blueberries that were labeled local and then find out that they came from Abbotsford, how would you feel about that? I would still, well, that's a, that's a good point. I would still consider that local. Um, I would say local to me means um, seasonally local in the sense that, uh, and geographically as well, local. So we would, um, you know, I would consider sort of D.C. or West, uh, you know, Washington State. That would be considered local. When I drive in my car and I can see my food growing, <laughs> you don't get any more local than that. So geographically, what area would you consider local? Well, in the summers, I spend it up in this area. So, of course, I, I'm a regular at um, all the local markets. Um, Arrington is a good one. Um, Courtney, all the outdoor ones. And, of course, this one today. But, yeah, wherever I, wherever I go, that's where I, yeah, I don't do the grocery stores. <laughs> a representative of the CFIA was unable to join us for an interview, but did answer some of our questions via email. They told us that they redefined the meaning of the word local to strike the right balance for industry and consumers, to provide sufficient flexibility for industry while enabling consumers to make an informed choice. They also encourage the addition of qualifiers where the term local is used. For example, the name of a city could be added to a label with a local claim. When questioned about changing the policy before engaging in consultations, they said they recognized that the previous policy did not reflect current food production and industry marketing practices 
or consumer needs and expectations, so they put in place a broad interim policy to provide maximum flexibility and options. The consultation period is expected to last one to two years. Jean Crowder, Nanaimo Cowichan Member of Parliament, met with us in her busy Duncan constituency office and shared her thoughts on why the CFIA may have chosen this approach. CFIA hasn't done a particularly great job on a number of aspects that affect consumers, and maybe they were trying to say that they were doing something proactive. I mean, they've they've been under a a number of uh, criticisms for, first of all, reducing uh, inspectors for some of the tainted products that ended up on the market. So they've been under a fairly heavy uh, microscope, and maybe this was a reaction to it. I don't know. I'm speculating. I, you know, I think it's putting the cart before the horse, since we're talking farming. Um, but if, if they're going to make changes in policy, we've already got some fairly sophisticated food organizations on the island. It doesn't have to be a process that lasts years. We've, we've got agricultural societies, we've got um, transition towns, we've got food policy that's been developed. Our, our regional districts have been working on some of this stuff. There are already mechanisms in place where they could go to some of these organizations and get some input before they set an interim policy. Sometimes what happens with interim policies is it's more difficult to change them after the fact. And so I would have expected CFIA to do their work by actually talking to to organizations up front rather than after the fact. And our region has a lot at stake in this consultation. Nanaimo Cowichan has a huge focus on, on food and wanting to support their local farmers. And for many of us, we've been working towards more appropriate labeling for a number of years. And I would suspect that many people wouldn't consider local something that was grown in Prince George. You know, there's kind of a gradation of of local. We want it sort of to be within that 50 kilometer or 100 kilometers, and then on the island, and then in the lower mainland, and then the province. So, you know, we want to, we want to, eat food produced as close to home as possible. One of the things about labeling is is it does give us the choice of saying I can buy something from the island or I can buy something from Washington State. Now I would prefer to buy something from the island because I know it's supporting our local farmers. It's keeping the money in the community. Dave Thompson and Jenny McLeod of the District A Farmers Institute would also like to see money kept in the community. If there is an option and you can buy something locally, we have to get people thinking that way, that we should be buying it locally, because if you don't, it might not be there in five years. If they're not going to sell their food and they're not going to make a profit, they'll go out of business and they won't, it won't be there. Some developer will buy it and they'll dig up the 10 acres or so of blueberry bushes that there are out there and that's the end of it. No more food. I think if you could take school kids to a strawberry farm, (laughs) they'll pick a strawberry and realize how good they are. There's value to local produce beyond flavor. The reason that local food was adopted was because when the United Nations gave out their first warning on climate change and climate change adaptation, they said that one of the things you could do was eat local So the whole purpose of establishing what local food was, was to establish this food did not take any more energy to produce than was reasonable or sustainable. See, what it's done is it's completely removed any idea of local food. Uh, It's not local food. It's it's trucked here for miles and miles. 
and it just make, it just completely nullifies the, the term of local food because when you look at it, it's absurd really to call it local food that comes to the United States. <laughs> it makes a mockery of the term, you know. And who benefits? It would remain the, the, the big wholesalers, you know, because once when the definition of local food now, it, it's it's not local anymore. So it's not local food anymore. It's the same people who fill the supermarkets full of tasteless tomatoes are going to benefit from this. So, yeah, the big business people will definitely profit by this, and what gets lost in the mix is the local food. Ralph Mundell, Director of Marketing and Communications for Thrifty Foods, speaks for his organization's approach. Our philosophy has always been we pick BC first, but uh, we're not using it as a quote-unquote marketing hook uh, because we're, we're very, very clear in our approach to pick BC first, and we always have been. So. We absolutely have a, have a, a policy in place that allows uh, smaller farmers to work with uh, our individual stores. Let's just use an example of, I'll just I'll pull something out, out of the hat, uh, Spanish Peninsula carrots. Um, if during carrot season um, we, you know, we're, we need to source some carrots, we'll start close to home. And in this particular case, if we're staying here, we'll say, uh, is there a grower that can provide us uh, with Spanish Peninsula carrots? Uh, if not, we'll move further afield, uh, and then we might go to the Okanagan and so on and so forth. Our priority is British Columbia, so our local definition of thrifty foods at this particular place, time is BC. In our shop, uh, in a part of our philosophy is that if you see it labeled as, you know, go local BC, and with, that is our focus, it is from British Columbia. We found the previous definition quite restrictive when you have, we've got stores that stretch from Campbell River and through to Abbotsford, right? And the previous definition wouldn't allow us to say something was local, uh, in Campbell River if it had been produced in Abbotsford. But yet it was all for our store network. Um, and given the fact that we ardently, uh, we, or we were just so strong about picking BC first, we felt that it was not the correct way to define, um, to define sourcing. So um, that's why we, we, we really enjoy the, the current definition. And what we've done with it is this summer is we have promoted the Go Local BC in a much bigger way and actually used the word local. Uh, whereas prior to the summer, we weren't using the word local to this degree. It all comes back to the language, to the use and meaning of the word local, says farmer Ashley Sales. Now, sometimes I find myself in that. I'll be at the store and I'll see something and it says organic or local. And it's like, am I just attracted to that because it's a, it's a word that's going to make me feel good? Like, oh, I've got something local. I bought something organic. Or is it that I truly, really want to know how that food was produced um, so I think I think part of it is really asking those questions and not just assuming that a word has power. You know, you need to have that information from from the source if you can. The CFIA told us that feedback from consultations that are part of the current food labeling modernization initiative will help inform the future direction of the definition of local and other labeling policies. You're invited to share your thoughts with the CFIA via their online questionnaire. You'll find a link at farmerstable.ca. Human language is complicated. The use and definition of words is always evolving. The idea of local food has joined this evolution. By paying attention to where your food is coming from, you can make educated choices about the health and economic implications of your shopping habits. Take a moment and think about what local food means to you. The produce manager at your grocer should be happy to answer your questions. 
Talk about it at your next dinner party or family gathering. You may be surprised by how others interpret the language around local food. You're listening to The Farmer's Table on CKGI Gabriola Co-op Radio 98.7 FM and on the web at ckgi.ca. And now for our profile segment where we get to know local farmers and food producers. Good Nature Farms sits on a beautiful piece of land outside of Qualicum Beach. Joanne, Richard, and Ashley Sales were able to take a little time away from the gardens and blueberry fields for a chat with the farmer's table. Richard started by telling us how his family came to farming. We lived in Portland, Oregon, where I produced music for film and video, and uh, everything was great there. We had an acre of beautiful land, and all, all of our lives together, you know, as young hippies, we had gardens, and then, you know, when we were in Portland, we had big gardens, uh, but moving here and getting a real farm was a giant leap for us. Well, it's a little embarrassing, but, you know, we were in Portland and, and um, you know, I had this realization that, you know, gosh, I'm whatever, 55, and if I'm ever going to have a farm, now's the time. So I started looking around there and didn't find anything or found something and the soil was bad or the neighborhood was bad or it was too isolated, no community. Um, Looked all over Oregon, looked all over California, looked all over Washington State. I really did. And the places I wanted were, you know, $3 million. So that wasn't going to happen. So then one day I was thinking, you know, I've always wanted to live in Canada. So let me just look up BC Farms for Sale, right? Looked up And there was a site called BC Farms for Sale. And this was the first farm on their site. And I was like, oh, my God, it is too good. And I just fell head over heels in love with the whole idea of blueberries. And, you know, I would study the pictures of this farm. And, you know, I just I just fell in love and jumped without looking back. When we moved here, the blueberries were um, having a hard time. Um, They had a disease called mummyberry, which everyone says cannot be cured organically. So, um, you know, the first year we got zero pounds, the second year 50 pounds, the third year like 200 pounds, the fourth year 1,000 pounds, the fifth year 3,000 pounds, and it just kept going up. Ashley, describe the farm for us. So there's, let's say, 19 acres of land, and I would say a third of it is not, is is pasture and farmland, and then two-thirds is actually forest, which we, you know, we walk through and visit, but we're not, you know, really using it. It's just wild space. Um, and we have about an acre of blueberries, uh-huh. and I would say a half acre of gardens just vegetable gardens that's mainly for our own use and some sell selling at our market here and then we've got lots of chickens probably i don't know 60 chickens and we've got turkeys and some horses that are visiting having some uh, yummy grass it's pretty amazing how much you can grow in in a small area if you grow it well and intelligently like ashley does The shining glory of Good Nature Farms is their blueberry crop that's referred to as Beyond Organic. So Beyond Organic, um, it used to be when when somebody said organic, that meant it was a small farm and people had, you know, were taking 
care of their farm and their plants and everything in the old-fashioned way of, of you know, the, the farmer being intimately connected to the land. Um, then there was a lot of money in it, and so corporations started selling organic. And so now you have monocultures of organic. And so the monocultures of organic are not good for the earth. They're not good for the bees. You know, they're not good for, for any of us, <laughs> you know. So, yes, it's, it's true we're not getting pesticides and herbicides and all that is, is checked on, but, but it's not the kind of intimate relationship that, that we want. When we think about, you know, I want organic, I want, I want local, you know, it doesn't mean that you want a big corporate farm next to you. What it means is you want to have someone who is actually connected to the food cycle, connected to the earth. You're cultivating it by hand. You're not using machines. Yes. So with blueberries especially, um, what happens with um, commercial blueberries is they wait until the, um, the most of the crop is blue, like about now. And then they just use machines and or, you know, out of, you know, disconnected workers that just come through and just pick everything that's blue. And then they throw out the, the ones that are, are white. And what we do is, is like I have I had orders yesterday, have orders today that I turned away, said, no, nope, we're not quite ready yet. Even though they look totally blue, we wait until they actually have that, that extra sweet sweetness. And that crop is sold directly from the farm. We have um, just a, a list of customers, and they're pretty much the same every year. You know, they just they don't go away. You know, so um, unfortunately, we don't have room for for new customers, except for just you know a little bit here and there. Um, but you know th- what that says is that there there is a big demand for the kind of of beyond organic food you know people want to see how their food is grown they, they want to, to to have that feeling it goes into the into the food there's a there's a taste to it um so you know whether it's whether it's blueberries or raspberries or, or whatever it is the most wonderful thing that's going on in the population right now is that people are, are wanting that they might not know what words to put on it and i don't either but that's that's what people are looking for now because there's that that the health element that's that's there in the food that is beyond the chemicals i started calling it beyond organic because you know i'm imagining there's there's now there's so many different ways of looking at organic. That word has been so watered down and stretched to fill so many uh, like people's needs of selling their produce at a, you know, for a bigger uh, price. Um, yeah, and just that you can be called an organic farm and you can be sitting on a tractor all day long and consuming so much fuel. And you know, we we do this all by hand. You know, as we don't, and we try to use as much of our own you know resources from our farm to fertilize our crops and and just that that hand cultivation that takes so much more time you know there's no cutting there's no shortcuts here um you know the labor we put into it is is much more but i think we believe it's better for the earth and for the plants the sales rely heavily on help from visiting travelers the Wolfing program is, is a great program, and, it, and it's all around the world. Um, so um, Wolf Canada has, has a really good program, and we have lots of wolfers. Wolfers are, are usually young people, you know, in their 20s and 30s, teens, um, that want to travel but, um, and want to stay away for a long time, um, want to experience um, what it's really like to live in a different location um, with a family, you know, on a farm, you know, on a ranch, you know, whatever. But um, this, is, this is a way for them to, to experience... Um, life as it really is in in the location that they're visiting. And it makes it possible for um, organic farmers um, to have the hands that that they need. So um, 
WOLF stands for Willing Workers on Organic Farms. That's what it used to be now. It's Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. Um, and it, it's a great program. I, d- I don't think we could do this without WOLFers anymore. You know, we've had them for six years, and we have about 40 a year. Um, and um, 95% of them are, are just great, and we love having them in our home. And the other 5%, well, that happens, doesn't it? <laughs> I really love these bushes, <laughs> even more than the berries themselves at this point. Blueberries are just an amazing bush. You know, they take very little out of the soil. Um, I think I think they're just kind of like this machine to turn sunlight into an air into to sweetness. I mean, it's just like they're amazing, and they're beautiful all the time. They're beautiful when they flower. They're be- they turn a bright red in the fall. You know, they're just amazing, and they're literally, you know, 10 feet from our house. So even if we didn't want to be organic, you know, that we, we couldn't spray right next to our house, you know. So, so it's, you know, they're like, they're kind of like the pets too. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, there's really a, a close relationship to, um, to us. Good Nature Farms is about more than blueberries though. We have a cottage that um, is a bed and breakfast. Um, it's exactly the same size as the greenhouse. It was it was built as just this this structure, you know, that was was um, used as uh, a farm market um, when we bought the place. But we decided to close it in, and and so it's um, a bed and breakfast, and it's um, it's a lot of fun. People just come pretty much in the summertime, um, but you know, you're right next to the blueberries, and you know, then you have the the chickens and the gardens and the blueberries and the forest, and you know, everything that you can um, visit. It's it's all open to whoever you are. So we get a lot of people that that. Um, don't like staying in something that's well manicured and, and cute and you know cleaned with chemicals in the bathroom and stuff. You know they want something that's just just natural and organic where they can just relax. So um, yep, so we have very happy people coming to our B and B. We've had yoga camps here. We've had camps for kids. You know this year we had a a fun little eco camp for the kids that uh, a friend of ours put on. Uh, we've had festivals. A few years ago, we had a festival. Our last festival had about 500 people. Um, and, you know, occasionally people stay in the B&B who are here to visit the Tibetan Buddhist Gampa across the street. Um, yeah. It's just to kind of share what we have. These other enterprises are an important part of keeping the farm afloat. Ashley was going to make a shirt that says, what? I'm an organic farmer, and I make three dollars an hour. <laughs> so yeah, you have to you have to supplement farming with something else, you know. Um, it's more than a safety net. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's survival. It's, 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 it's the boat, you know. The, the farming is the paddle, but you know the the other things kind of keep us afloat. You know, the blueberries do okay, um, but selling produce, you're competing with. California and China and you know it's just very very hard you know like what Ashley does she probably works harder than anybody and you know when we were doing the CSA it was a lot of work for little return so yeah I I would imagine most farmers unless you're big you know and you have hundreds of acres of corn or something have to supplement their income somehow. Good Nature Farms is a fine example of how one family honors the land they work and they reap the rewards with a peaceful lifestyle here on Vancouver Island. You're listening to CKGI Gabriola Co-op Radio 98.7 FM and on the web at ckgi.ca. 
farmers markets are a great place to learn about food, to meet up with local farmers, friends and family, and to connect with your community. Buying products and produce at your local farmers market helps to ensure the future of sustainable, small-scale agriculture. Farmers keep 100% of the profits from the products they sell, so supporting your local farmers market is a great way to vote with your dollar and keep Vancouver Island's farmers farming. The British Columbia Association of Farmers Markets supports local food producers and their markets. You'll find them online at bcfarmersmarket.org. We're lucky to have many markets to choose from in the Mid-Island area, on the northern and southern Gulf Islands, and the Sunshine Coast. You'll find a full listing online at farmerstable.ca. Here, you're truly buying local. I'm Sean Inns, and now, the last word. I'm tired of grocers trying to come between me and my local food. I'm talking to you with your tasteless tomatoes and your Washington potatoes and your garlic that's traveled further than I have in my lifetime. Look, I'm not so bold as to think I can live without you. I know I need salt and sugar and sometimes I need bologna and white squishy bread and shake and bake and comfort food that I just can't grow. But when Farmer Joe harvests his crop of local organic lettuce and takes it to the market to sell or puts a roadside stand in front of his farm and he can't sell it all because you're having a sale on local organic lettuce that same day, well, when you decided to occupy that space to put the brakes on Farmer Joe's roadside stand, you crossed a line and you know it. You know that Farmer Joe can't keep up with you, can't supply you, and certainly can't compete with you. And so you watch while his lettuce wilts and wastes away, while you thrive and your aisles buzz with shoppers hungry for that same local lettuce that you sourced from a massive monoculture on the mainland. Well, that, to me, is a special kind of awful. Because now that we, and when I say we, I mean some of us, because it's hardly everyone, now that we want local produce, you can see the dollar signs. So your flyers advertise locally grown, and you tell farmers stories, and you talk about things that are prepared or packaged locally when those things aren't local at all. Because local means local, not what you want it to mean. I can buy blueberries grown here on the island, or I can buy blueberries from Abbotsford or Surrey. And maybe those island berries cost me more, and maybe they don't. And maybe those mainland berries aren't too far away, but you know, they're far enough that I question the cost. And what I know is that every pallet I don't buy from that guy who sells them just down the road pushes him closer to closing his gates. And I mourn that day when our island farms are nothing but ghosts, where once stood corn and wheat and sweet snap peas and cows and chickens and sheep, now stands condos and big box stores and parking lots and cheap retail shops and boutiques. And we'll tell our kids, I remember when this was all farmland. Why, I remember when you'd drive this way and you'd see horses and cows and crops for miles. And maybe I'll shed a tear for things that were. And our kids, they won't care because they weren't there when the thing was lost. And the grocers will have moved on because they've won. And they'll continue to sell me condiments and cabbages from China in their air-conditioned environments. So this is a message from me to you, to all the grocers of the world. Take down your signs. Leave us our local farms and food. There's a clear path for me to the food I want. I can see it now as plain as day. And you, you're nothing more to me than a stop along the way. Every human on the planet has one thing in common. We all need food to survive. Today, we've explored the meaning of the word local when it's applied to our food. For some, it's more important than others. But we all have the right 
and the responsibility to make educated choices about what we put in our bodies. And the words we use to do that are important. Thanks for joining us at the Farmer's Table on CKGI Gabriola Co-op Radio 98.7 FM and on the web at ckgi.ca. You'll find more stories, links to farmers markets and the people we've spoken with today and more online at farmerstable.ca.